In the room where we lie, light stains the drawn shades yellow. We sweat and pull at each other, climb with our fingers the slippery ladders of rib. Wherever our bodies touch, the flesh comes alive. Heat and need, like invisible animals, gnaw at my breasts, the soft insides of your thighs. What I want, I simply reach out and take. No delicacy now. The dark human bread I eat handful by greedy handful. Eyes, fingers, mouths, sweet leeches of desire. Crazy woman, her brain full of bees. See how her palms curl into fists and beat the pillow senseless. And when my body finally gives into it, then pulls itself away, salt laced and arched with its final ache, I am so grateful I would give you anything, anything. If I loved you, being this close would kill me. This Close by Ada Limon. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Composition Podcast episode 20, the last episode for the month of July. Um, that last poem there comes from a poet named Ada Limon. I believe it's Limon. It's spelled L-I-M-O-N, but there's like that little, that little dash over the O, so I doubt if it's Ada Lyman. I'm pretty sure it's Ada Limon. I apologize for getting that wrong, though. But I want to give a special congratulations to her because she is now our 24th United States Poet Laureate. So, um, in so many words, pretty much she is the official poet for our entire country. Anytime there is uh, an event of significance or pretty much anything she feels needs some type of national awareness or national attention, she's going to write about it and it's published through the Library of Congress and it becomes this huge thing. She's only the 24th person to have this fucking role, so it's a huge thing for her. Shout out to her. Uh, the term only lasts one year. I'm not sure if you can be reelected after you become the poet laureate, but the fact that the fact that she's uh, able to have this accomplishment under her belt, um, it just makes her her poetry that much more relevant. And moving forward, I'm pretty sure people are always going to wonder who she is. That opening poem I read, honestly, I enjoyed it because when I read it, it reminded me of me waking up next to my my Sheba and doing whatever it is I want to do with her and to her. So um, I'm not sure if she wrote this poem in the vein of sexuality, but that's exactly how I received it and how I enjoy reading it in the vein of sexuality. So our U.S. Poet Laureate is a freak. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, shout out again to Ada Lamone. Um, she was born March 28th, 1976 in Sonoma, California. She is from Mexican and American descent and she attended the drama school at the University of Washington and later on went to get her MFA from the New York University in 2001. Upon graduation, she received a fellowship to live and write at the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Later, she received a grant from New York Foundation of the Arts and in the same year won the Chicago Literary Award for Poetry. So again, She's a, a beast out here when it comes to this writing shit. And she's a freak. No, I'm playing. <laughs> Definitely go check out Ada Lyman's work. 
Um, I don't have too much that I want to talk about with pop culture. Um, I've been blocking a lot of shit out, like, heavily, heavily this month. Um, really been trying to just focus on saving up money, staying out of nonsense, and finishing my books. But there is one thing that caught my eye that I thought was absolutely fucking ridiculous, so I have to talk about it. Now, of course I'm too young to like have an exact knowledge of this, but if you're a, a, a football fan the way I am, of course you know about the Hershey Walker trade. It took place October 12th, 1989, where the Dallas Cowboys pretty much pulled off what's known as, even there's a book written after this event called The Greatest Robbery. This is seen as the greatest robbery in sports history. The Dallas Cowboys traded Hershey Walker for like six first round picks, like six second round picks, and like seven or eight different fucking players. All for one Hershey Walker, who ended up, you know, playing a, a decent career in Minnesota. But that trade ended up creating the Dallas Cowboys dynasty. Single-handedly creating the Dallas Cowboys dynasty from this one trade. Why is that significant now and today? Fucking who knows how many years later. I'm not the best at math, so fuck it. Well, Hershey Walker has returned to the spotlight as a GOP candidate for fucking governor in Georgia. Excuse me, actually it's for Senate in Georgia, not governor. But um, the reason why this is becoming like a really popular thing and the reason why I, I caught wind of it is one, because this is a retired NFL player, but of course retired entertainers go on to become politicians all the time for whatever reason. That's just a thing. But Hershey Walker... Excuse me, Hershey Walker, this African-American man, is quote-unquote, not my quote, but quote-unquote, what Republicans want from Negroes. One writer named Ellie Mistel even titled her column back in April, the Hershey Walker Senate campaign is an insult to black people and calls his whole campaign a political minstrel show. Now, Hershel Walker is going up for Senate against Raphael Warnock, who actually, believe it or not, I believe I've spoken on this podcast about before. Um, he had a book that I was told to go check out. Can't remember who, can't remember why, but I know he definitely has written on African-American history and is seen as uh, significant for that. And he's a very uh, popular, very significant pastor in the state of Georgia. So you have this one guy who's pretty much a leader for black pride and black history versus this gentleman who's uh, uh, a media darling, uh, a football icon, and seen as a fucking coon, pretty much. So this is where we are in Georgia. And although this is kind of like a small glimpse of it, this kind of really, really does show the divide in that state and why things seem to be heating up the way they are politically and with crime and combating crime. Everything is tied down there in Georgia. And to see that we have fucking NFL players, fucking Hershey Walker, the fucking, the worst trade in sports history, the guy behind it all is, is, is causing 
such a fucking uh, uh, upstorm in that state. I thought that was really interesting. Wanted to read about that. But yeah, I don't really have too much else as far as pop culture. So I'm just going to get straight into my book of the week. So the book is going to be called Before the Coffee Gets Cold. It's a novel by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. Try saying that a million times fucking fast. Shout out to you for writing this book. It is book one of, I believe, a three-book series. The second book is out. The third book comes out, I believe, in November, sometime later this year. For sure, go check this book out, please. I fucking really enjoyed this book. Um... I've never really been huge on, you know, fantasy and sci-fi, but there are a few books that when I get into them, I get into them. One of my favorite books in the world is The Man in the High Castle. I really appreciate the uh, the idea of time travel and how it's used in that book. And for me, this book was exactly the same way. Um, the book doesn't overdo it with the time travel, and it even sets certain rules on what you can do and how you can time travel. I thought that was really interesting. You can't just go back to when dinosaurs were killed and save the dinosaurs. <clears throat> but the way that this this concept is presented in this book, I thought was very unique, very different from anything I've read before. Um, the book comes from a company called Hanover Square Press. It is, this is the actual physical copy of the book I have here. 272 pages from beginning to end. I read it and I want to say four or five days. It wasn't extremely long. I did have to go back and keep rereading though um, because the characters' names kind of kind of was, was, was catching me up. I can't lie to you. So I just didn't want to get confused between stories. I will say this is the first book I've read where there's multiple stories that, that comprise the whole of the novel. And each different story stood out. I literally was able to make a direct correlation between what I was reading and how I felt about something that I'm actually going through in my life. Something that I don't really do too often with books like this, like a fantasy book or a sci-fi book. But each chapter that I finished, I'm just like, damn, I can relate to that. And that was really interesting for me. Um, The book or the writer, excuse me, is not an American writer. So for me to be able to read something from somebody that, you know, usually I wouldn't have any type of relation to and get their perspective on life and really enjoy it and apply it to myself, I thought was dope. Um, The book design is really, really dope. This physical copy, just having this in my hand, feels nice, the cover's dope. Makes you want to read the fucking book, honestly. Um, I picked this book out because because of the title. I'm going to be honest with you. Before the coffee gets cold, I wanted to see what it was about. I thought it was going to be like a self-help book or something, honestly. But, you know, I, I fell in love with the name, Huge Coffee Lover, and said, you know what? This is a dope title, uh, International Writer. Let me give it a chance, and I'm glad I did. Please go pick up this book. You will not regret it. The only reason I'm like, I'm trying to... I'm trying to limit myself and space out the the series so I can really enjoy it. Like I said, the second copy, or excuse me, the second volume is already out. The third one's coming out later this year, and I don't want to have myself waiting for the third book to come out. 
So I'm gonna wait a little bit before, read the second one, and then by the time the third one comes out, I'm ready for it and I wasn't just sitting there anticipating it the whole time. It's kinda like watching a new show. Wait a few before the new season comes out, before fully enjoying the old season, so everything's still fresh to you. That's what I'm doing with this book. So this book is 272 pages, um, but only four chapters. So I can't read a full chapter as an excerpt like I usually would do. Um, each chapter is really its own passage, and that, that twist on the story definitely dragged me and helped me enjoy everything because I'm just like, yo, I've never seen this before. It's a whole chapter. Like 80, 90 pages? I was confused. But once I started to read it, I definitely enjoyed it. My excerpt is going to be... Uh, pages 71 through 76 in the first chapter once I got to this point um, it's really when I said okay I see what we're doing here I, I really started to settle into the book and really enjoy it and want to finish it so here we are with the excerpt if you have the book pages 71 through 76 if you don't just listen up the sensation that she was a spirit shimmering and swirling like steam, now left her, and she began to regain awareness of her limbs. In a panic, she felt her body and face to make sure it was herself who had appeared. When she came to her senses, a man that was there before her, watching her strange behavior, puzzled. It was Goro, unless she was mistaken. Goro, who was meant to be in America, was there before her eyes. She really had returned to the past. She understood the puzzlement on his face. There was no doubt that she had just returned to a week ago. The inside of the cafe was just how she remembered it. The man called Fusagi had a magazine spread out on the table closest to the door. Harai was sitting at the counter and Kazu was there. And opposite her was Goro at the same table where they had been. But just one thing was wrong. The seat in which Fumiko sat. A week ago, she had been sitting facing Goro. Now, however, she was in the seat of the woman in the dress. She was still facing Goro, but they were now one table apart. He's so far away. His puzzled look was completely justified. But unnatural or not, she couldn't leave her seat. That was one of the rules. But what if he asks why I'm sitting here? What should I say? Fumiko gulped at the thought. Oh gosh, is that the time? Sorry, I have to go. Goro may have looked perplexed, but despite their now unnatural sitting positions, he had said the exact words he had, she had heard a week ago. This must be an unspoken rule when traveling back to the past, she thought. Ah, uh, that's okay, that's okay. You don't have any more time, do you? I don't have much time either. What? Sorry. They weren't on the same page and the conversation wasn't going anywhere. On, although she knew the moment she had returned to, Fumiko was still confused. It was, after all, the first time she had returned to the past. To give herself time to settle, she took a sip of the coffee while looking up from under the brow while looking up from under her brows to observe Goro's expression. Oh no, the coffee is already lukewarm. 
It would be cold in no time. Fumiko was dismayed. At this temperature, she could have already gulped it down. This was an unexpected setback. She scowled at Kazu. She hated the way Kazu permanently wore such a deadpan expression. But that was not all. Ugh, so bitter. The taste was even bitterer than she had anticipated. Was that a bitterer? It was the bitterest... <laughs> it was the bitterest coffee she had ever drunk. Goro looked confused at hearing Fumiko's strange utterance. Rubbing above his right eyebrow, Goro looked at his watch. He was worried about the time. Fumiko understood that. She was in a hurry, too. Um, I have something important to say, she said hurriedly. Fumiko shoveled sugar into a cup from the sugar pot placed in front of her. Then, after adding a fair amount of milk, she clinked and clanked her cup with her spoon with her vigorous stirring. What? Goro frowned. Fumiko wasn't sure if the frown was because she was adding too much sugar or because he didn't want to talk about anything important just then. What I mean is, I want to talk about this properly. Goro looked at his watch. Hang on a sec. Fumiko took a sip of, Fumiko took a sip of the coffee that she had sweetened. She nodded in approval. She hadn't drunk coffee until she met Goro. It had been the pretext of buying him a coffee that led to their dates. The curious sight of Fumiko, who hated coffee, frantically adding a tremendous amount of sugar and milk, earned her a wry smile from Goro. Hey, this is a serious situation, and you're just smirking at me drinking coffee. No, I'm not. You blatantly are. You can't deny it. I can tell by that look on your face. Fumiko regretted interrupting the flow of the conversation. She had gone to the effort of returning to the past, and now it was going the same way as it was a week earlier. She was again chasing him away with her childish talk. Goro got up from his seat, looking agitated. He called Takazu behind the counter. Excuse me, how much please? He reached for the bill. Fumiko knew that if she didn't do something, Goro would pay and then leave. Wait, it's fine. Let's leave it at that. That isn't what I came to say. What? Don't go. Why didn't you talk about it with me? I don't want you to go. Well, that's... I know how much your work means to you. I don't necessarily mind if you go to America. I won't stand in the way. I thought we were going to be together forever. But at least, was it only me thinking that? I wanted you to discuss it with me. You know, it's pretty despicable just deciding without talking about it. I really, truly, that's just, well, you know, loved you. It made me feel forgotten. What I wanted to say was, not that it's going to change anything. Well, I just wanted to say that Fumiko had planned to speak honestly. After all, it wouldn't change the present, but she couldn't say it. She felt that saying it would be to admit defeat. She would have hated herself for saying anything like, which do you choose, work or me? 
Until she had met Goro, she had always put work first. It was the last thing she wanted to say. She also didn't want to be talking like a parody of a woman, especially to a boyfriend three years her junior. She had her pride. She also was perhaps jealous that his career had overtaken her own, so she hadn't spoken honestly. Anyhow, it was too late. Fine then, go. Whatever. It's not as if anything I will say will stop you from going to America. After saying this, Fumiko gulped down the rest of her coffee. Whoa. When the cup was empty, the dizziness started again. She was once more swallowed up by a wavering and shimmering world. She began pondering. What did I come back for exactly? I never thought that I was the right man for you. She didn't know why Goro would be saying this. When you invited me for coffee, he continued, I always said to myself that I mustn't fall for you. What? Because I have this. He ran his fingers through his fringe, which had been combed down to cover the right side of his forehead. He revealed the large burn scar that spread from his right eyebrow to his right ear. Before I met you, I always thought women found me repulsive. And I couldn't even talk to them. I, even after we had started dating, it never even bothered me, shouted Fumiko. But she had become one with the vapor and her words didn't reach him. All right, so I'm gonna stop my excerpt right there. There is still a lot in that chapter. Um, a lot that I wanna give away. <laughs> But I won't. Just go get the book. It's called Before the Coffee Gets Cold. And each chapter kind of has its own situation where a person is compelled to either go to the past or to the future. But they have an understanding of all of the rules. One of the main rules being no matter what you say, no matter what you do, the history and the future will not change. And people that are in love, people that are, are desperate, they still believe, you know, it's it's... I'll, I'll take the chance, why not type of thing. So that's where we catch this young lady Fumiko in. Uh, she meets at this cafe with her boyfriend. They agree to break up after not really, you know, saying much about them loving each other. And she regrets it each and every day after he leaves. She feels like she could have did more to keep her love. She could have said more. And she goes back in the past at this coffee shop to try to fix it. And she gets some new information, which kind of changes her mindset about losing the guy to even begin with. And I thought that was really dope. This book really gives a lot of perspective on, on finality. For me, at least, it definitely gives a lot of perspective on finality. There are a lot of things that you can do and that you can say to make yourself feel better or to make yourself feel worse even. But you have to understand that the things that you do you can't change. Sure, you can fix the problems that you created from what you did, but every decision we make is final. Whether it be a good decision or a bad decision, or whether it not mean anything in the grand scheme of the world to begin with, it is something that you have to think about every time you make a decision. And at the same time, everything in the past, to an extent, you have to be able to let it go. A lot of the people in this book, they're fighting for something currently 
but they're trying to fix it through the things that they already did. And, and I think that's a really interesting mindset to have. Like, we actively do things based on our history or based on what we believe or based on what we saw instead of experiencing in the moment. I thought that was a, another poignant point of the book is to, to live and love for here and not for yesterday and not for tomorrow because that's not promised to you. Oh boy, definitely a, a great book. Um, only four chapters again, but each tale is is fucking mind-blowing. You're going to smile, you might cry, but you're definitely going to learn a lot. Uh, the four chapters are The Lovers. That's uh, the first chapter I just read from. Then you have Husband and Wife, The Sisters, and Mother and Child. Again, definitely go check out this book, a novel by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. And I'm going to wait until maybe October until I start the second book before the third comes out. But, um, yeah. Go check it out. Go let me know what you think at the Composition Book Club on IG or on my personal IG at underscore Dermain or at Dermain.com. Um, I've been keeping it under wraps, but I'm about to release an album in not too long. I won't tell you what it's about or what it's called, but I'm really, really excited to share it with you. Um, it's going to feature my brother Janelle on it. He's going to be my only feature for it. And a huge shout out to Nate Slacks for always, you know, putting up with my bullshit when it comes to making the music, when it comes to creating everything. Um, everything as far as music is still a learning process for me. Even though I've been doing it for so long, everything about music, just like anything in media, changes rapidly every few years. So you still have to be able to learn in the moment <laughs> and apply it in the future and take what you can from the past the opposite of the book i guess but huge shout out one last time to toshikazu kawaguchi um i don't know where i want to go for music um but i guess i'll release i'll play something that's going to be on my album coming up why not man um i'm really excited about it and yeah, let's see, what track do I want to play? I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I didn't have too much information for us to talk about, but I hope you really enjoyed my excerpt. For the month of August, I found a book called um, One of Us is Dead. It's like a little mystery, a mystery thriller type of book. So depending how this book goes, we'll see where I'm going to go for the reading list for August. Usually I have it all set out at least a month in advance but this time i think i'm gonna freestyle it a little bit so um i hope you enjoyed this song i'm about to play it's called like golf it is produced by my good boy tuck i actually have to find tuck we have we have a lot of music we still gotta make we used to work together white dude funny white dude not funny in any type of weird way but like hilarious guy and we only knew each other for about a month and a half, going on two months, and that's when I found out he made music, and before we really got to be able to create some shit, he was gone, had a different job, and I haven't really spoken to him since. But we do have this one song that I'm gonna include in the album 
that I, I really, really enjoy. A lot of people really enjoy it, tell me that I should release it. So I'm going to put it on this album I've been working on. It's called Like Golf. So definitely uh, let me know what you think of this book. Check it out before the coffee gets cold. Um, the first book for next month, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Geneva Roses. One of Us is Dead. And yeah, man, stay reading, stay blessed, uh, try to block out the bullshit as much as possible or filter, filter through it for what you can, what you can achieve, what you can turn it into, make fucking sugar out of the shit that you're in. That's something I try to do each and every day and I hope you do too. Let me stop talking though. This has been the Composition Podcast episode 20 and I hope you enjoy it. I walk through the door, and I'll stop talking about it. Like, what the? He's <laughs> obvious. He's barking at me. Oh, my God. Hey. I've been in the gym, ain't no flexing on me Do what I say, she been sexing on me I've been out the way, mama checking on me I spit it, leaf through the weapon on me Feel gamma rays, some blessing on me Girl, I'm tense, back that dress up on me Niggas talk like hoes, wanna dress it to me No Hey, I've been in the gym, ain't no flexing on me Do what I say, she been sexing on me I've been out the way, mama checking on me I spit a lead through the weapon on me These gamma rays, sun blessing on me Girl, I'm tense, put that dress up on me Niggas talk like hoes, wanna dress it to me The money and pinning her down, the shit that moved me Get it on camera, it's a movie The blunt gon' hit like Bruce Lee And yeah, it's cool if you too peep Just don't pass to a goofy Can't stand on your own, then you a groupie Players gon' play cause the hoes be choosy Never see me lose, then it's easy to lose me Niggas wanna be friends, I don't say it loosely Motivated by the dots and the chains and tunchies I'm dope, we dope, see how we movin' Same shit, different cut like the fade on Boosie Man, ayy Tellin' lies how you get cut off Get the money, nigga, that's first off If it's love, baby, tell me what it costs all the hating only make you worse off. I was patient with the play like golf. What the world, nigga, tell me what it cost. Yeah. Hey, tell the lies how you get cut off. Get the money, nigga, that's first off. If it's love, baby, tell me what it cost. Please. All the hating only make you worse off. I was patient with the play like golf. What the world, nigga, tell me what it cost. Yeah.